This week's guest is Liz Furlong, who joins the show from her home in Costa Rica. Originally from Montreal, our conversation with Liz covers how she wound up living in Costa Rica, the importance of incorporating hyper-seasonal ingredients in cocktails, the significance of giving back to the local community by purchasing and using as many localized ingredients and art for use in the restaurant, and overall, just trying to be as thoughtful for the area where you live as you possibly can. We have a great conversation with Liz, and make sure you check the show notes for all the links we talk about during the interview. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the Industry Podcast. My name is Kip, and this is Dan. Hey, What's man, going on? Not much. I'm actually not hungover for a change for a show. What happened? Uh, I got <laughs> drunk on Friday and Saturday, kind of. Uh, so, as well, opposed to Sunday. That's nice of you to bring an air of professionalism to this week's show. Yeah, yeah. I thought I'd show up Monday sober for work for you. Well, not to show up. Answer calls from my desk yeah. at my house. So, <laughs> so it's a rough, working from home. Yeah, it's a rough life. Yeah. And, uh, oh, how are things going with you? Uh, just terrific. Yep. You know, nice. how's business going with the bars? Uh, it's, October sucks in Kitchener due to fucking Oktoberfest and um, cool weather. Thanksgiving, the weather. There's a lot of factors. This is there's going to be a lag with the vaccination mandates. Uh, Correct. I think a lot of selfish pricks didn't get their vaccination. <laughs> When they could have a month ago, and so now that they're being forced to, so they can do things they enjoy, they're all rushing to get it. Now there's two weeks, two, three weeks before you can get your next one, and then two weeks after that before you're allowed to go out. So mm. well, it'll be slow for the foreseeable future, unfortunately, for us. Yes. It'll probably around Christmas time. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get there. All right. <laughs> all right. If you are a fan of the industry podcast, and I'm sure you are, you should be subscribing, rating and reviewing the show. That's the easiest way to help us out. So that's right. You can always check out our shows on all your favorite platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Place. Amazon and whatnot, and subscribe, rate, and review. It's a very easy thing to do. It helps us out tremendously. We have a great guest, as always, this week. We're going to be bringing Liz Furlong along very shortly. We should also mention that if you want to be a guest on the show, the easiest way to get a hold of us is to DM us at the Industry Podcast, or you can email us now at info at the Industry Podcast.club. Mm-hmm. In addition, we should, as always, thank at Zach Hanna Design for the great artwork that he does for us all the time. He's a scholar and a gentleman. He sure is. Yeah. He does some amazing artwork as well. Yeah, so check him out, Zach Hanna Design, for all your graphic arts needs. And enough about us. Let's uh, bring our guest in and talk about her for a little bit. So the, joining us from Costa Rica is Liz Furlong. How are you, Liz? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. So we just uh, we had a little delay because you had a power outage there. Tell us, what, how often does that happen? Pretty regularly, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what part of Costa Rica are you in? Monteverde. So that okay. is... Uh, the cloud rainforest. Oh, that sounds magical. Uh, I have not been to that part of Costa Rica, but I have been to Costa Rica, and it's one of my favorite places on earth. I, we were t- chatting before we started recording that I, I had a serious plan to go move down there and do open my own bar there, and you, this is exactly what you have done, so you're kind of my hero. Because uh, oh, <laughs> uh, Liz is also Canadian from Montreal originally, so she's kind of I'm, I'm, she's my hero, and I'm also insanely jealous of her at the same time. So this could be a real love hate, love hate style interview <laughs> we're gonna do here. But. <laughs> it's still time. It's not too late. Yeah. I, well, now I got two anchors around my um, legs that are bars that exist in Kitchener. But <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us on the show. We appreciate you doing it. Tell us a little bit about how, like, when you first got into the bar industry, was that in Canada? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started, I, I guess it was just my, my job during university. So I worked in a, a lovely dive bar and that's how I got started with things. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun. And that, that was in Montreal? That was in Montreal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I worked at Biff Tech. I don't know if you guys are Montreal I, fans, but. I am a Montreal fan and I have been to Biff Tech. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I started out there. Lots of fun. I worked with like a great group of girls, some of whom are still my friends, because I don't know if they still do that. But at the time, they only hired women. So. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know if you're allowed to get away with shit like that anymore. But <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so like you have moved very much into the world of mixology. So obviously mm-hmm. you weren't doing a whole lot of that at BiffTech. When did you start getting a, your sort of love for cocktails and mixology? I started going on trips to New York, actually. So I would go over to New York and I'd be in, you know, Canada. I mean, I've been, I was in New York for like four years, I guess. And Canada, 14, 15 years ago, didn't have the cool mixology scene that it kind of does now, you know? So it was definitely a culture shock. And I went over uh, just to visit and I was like, this is amazing. You know, I, I never thought that I've always been a big foodie. So I guess like when I went over and I realized like what I was doing kind of as my more like side hustle could be something a little more professional, a little cooler. I was like, yeah, that's, that's great. I'm going to see how I can get over here. So I headed to New York to kind of see what I could learn and see what I could come up with. And And that's kind of how... Sorry, I didn't interrupt you. Go ahead. I I just totally cut you off. That was my bad. (laughs) But uh, what, uh, so what bars were you working in when you went to New York? I worked at a hotel that was called King and Grove. So it had three different bars in it. So it had a cool pool bar. It had like a rooftop bar with like a view of Manhattan because it was in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And I kind of worked for everyone for free. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Just to kind of try to try to learn as much as I could. So that's how I started. uh, I don't know, I guess getting my feet wet with like mixology and, and that whole world. Right. So what were your, some of your favorite bars to visit while you were there, where you were sort of picking up some knowledge? I, Death & Co. I think that was like the first one that I really went into. And I was just like, yeah. so many things, so much to learn, so much to, 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 I don't know, just experience, I guess. And then even some, I guess even restaurants at that point were doing like pretty solid cocktails. So you could kind of go anywhere and get like a really great drink. You know, they they even had like craft craft whiskeys and craft gins and things like that coming out of New York, which I think now I would say that Canada has some cool even craft spirits, right, coming out. Yeah, finally, yeah, it's it's taken a while for us to get there, but there's definitely a bunch of like little craft distilleries mm-hmm. now, and it's kind of really exploding. I think it was like breweries forever, and then it was <laughs> distilleries, right? <laughs> yeah. So you know, I remember like Hudson whiskey and, and things like that i was just like wow i didn't even know that this was a thing so it really just kind of like blew my mind yeah um, little young liz going over there and that was really cool i don't know i feel like i learned so much from that experience and it was really great but uh as soon as someone started talking to me about costa rica i really got into that idea a lot more you know yeah <laughs> so yeah so how did that happen like so uh, yeah well let's just talk about exactly like what did you go visit Costa Rica and you were like, shit, that's what happened to me. I was like, this is where I want to eventually be. But yeah. um, or or was it like the first time you went there, you kind of moved there? No, I had gone just on vacation, so I wasn't even thinking about it in any way. I, it was actually right when I was moving to New York. I just went for a quick trip and then came back. And, you know, some years later, I had met um, someone who 
basically had a hotel in Costa Rica. And he said to me, like, oh, have you ever considered, you know, doing something like this in Costa Rica? Like, I really love this bar and I'd really love to have like cocktails and things like that. And it was November <laughs> in New York. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like good. OK, so sorry, just to track, like, where were you? This is what you were still working at that hotel spot in New York. And this guy, he just came in and sort of liked what you were doing. And yeah, I think, you know, I'd mentioned, oh, I love Costa Rica. You know, I've been there. I went to all these places on my vacation and, and that sort of thing. Right. And then he's like. This would be awesome in Costa Rica. You know, there's really nothing like this. We have a hotel. Like, we should stay in touch. And I was like, yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> and I didn't think he would follow through, you know? Kind of mm-hmm. like, mm, drunk talk. We'll see if this happens. But no, he, like, sent me a contract. And he's like, let's make this happen. We'd love to get you down as soon as possible. And, you know, that was it. I, I went down. We did, like, a little cocktail menu for the hotel. And that's kind of where I realized like, okay, I've been like really, you know, New York is, it's about your spirits, right? You have tons of selection of spirits and like all of these, this huge variety. But when I moved to Costa Rica, it was like the complete opposite. Right. Uh, You have, you have like five kinds of lime. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We have like one kind of tequila or something like that at this time, you know, things have changed. Of course. Years, but so I, I just found I really had to like kind of adjust my style to what was available to me and what I could kind of take advantage of and, and make interesting drinks out of, which was cool. Okay, so yeah, I want to get there, um, but, but just to just to get the timeline made. So you move down there, and yeah. you're uh, so right. Like he gets in contact with you, and you're like, okay, I guess we're doing this. And yeah. and how old are you at this time, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, 24. So yeah, a good time to be like, fuck it. Let's just go and see what happens. Right. Like, so that's, so you moved down there and now you're working in his hotel, uh, like right away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I went there and I was, I, so I, it was perfect. I, they had never had like a, a foreigner, like working and living in the hotel either. So we didn't know, we, we had no idea how the dynamic would be. So I basically got to live in the hotel and work you know, downstairs, I had like a view of like the, the Pacific Ocean and the Cueva Peninsula yeah. from the hotel. There's like jungle all around. And I would just, you know, start going in down and checking out the food menu. I would they have a they have a beautiful organic garden. So I just go out in the garden and I'd be like picking my fresh herbs and like picking fruits off trees and just kind of like playing around with those ingredients. Because to give you an idea of what it was like, I mean, it was like people were like you're you, you're a mixologist you, you make cocktails so what do you make like pina coladas or something right like <laughs> yeah yeah like literally yeah. yeah so when i was in costa rica there was nothing like there, like that there was no there was no cocktail yeah, exactly. scene yeah it was like you said it was like frozen blender drinks or beer or rum mm-hmm, exactly which is all great too you know but i think uh but i think it was it was just really interesting that for me, you know, like every bar that I would go into, they'd have like packed like cranberry juice that was like prepackaged and like, you know, all these kinds of things. And I was like, why would you, you know, when you have like fresh passion fruit, like on this side of the hotel and like these fruits, like we have one that's called Cass here. It's like a sour guava fruit. And I'm like, what? And, you know, it gives you that kind of acidity of like a cranberry juice, like a tartness. And I was like, why are we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually what we're drinking, ironically, is a That's passion so nice. fruit guava kettle sour from, we should shut out Sada City here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, continue. The, yeah. So, well, I kind of want to ask you about that. The, 
so and now I want to get into sort of what you were talking about earlier, where you were saying like the transition from sort of working with the spirits first, because you had so many different options of what to use for spirits, and then kind of the other ingredients were stuff you would sort of add to where the spirits were forward. Now you're switching it sort of where almost like the what we would consider the side ingredients that you add to the spirit to make the cocktail are now sort of your main focus. And then you'd see, so is, do you really reverse your thinking? So you're like, now these are the ingredients and we'll see what spirit fits with those ingredients. Absolutely. Also, Costa Rica is just so seasonal and not even like seasonal as you would find in Canada. There's like four seasons. Like there's fruits that are in season for one month. And when they're in season, they're like very abundant. So it would just be stupid to not use them, you know? Right. You're finding them on fruit stands along the side of the street. Like everyone's got a tree at their house and there's just like millions of mangoes available or millions of, they have something called hocote, which is like a little tiny green, super acidic fruit. So it's like just all of these things that are super hyper seasonal that you you have to be more thinking about those ingredients, uh, in my opinion, you know, rather than the liquor that you're right. This is the, the podcast I most want my wife to listen to. She, she listens, listens to most of them already, but this is going to be the one that gets her to move to Costa Rica. If that happens, Liz, I'm going to we'll only drink at your bar for the, <laughs> in, as, as a way of thanks. Um, okay, so you call this, um, well, at least when you sent me your bio, you called it jungle bartending. So, like, yeah. is that the main focus of what jungle bartending is, or is there more to it? Like, how would you describe? your philosophy of jungle bartending um okay so yes definitely this kind of like hyper seasonal sort of uh vibe but definitely i think the whole the other side to it for me is that i also want to give back to where i am you know i'm like living at the edge of the jungle and like taking ingredients from it to kind of prepare these drinks i want to be doing it in a way that's like also giving back Mm -hmm. so to me that could mean purchasing ingredients from local indigenous communities, you know, purchasing the cacao or bananas or something like that from those communities that live there that are taking care of the jungles. That could mean, or even purchasing, you know, pottery or something like that to decorate with. Um, That could mean even just, you know, talking about biodiversity and why it's so important to to keep the jungles healthy and, and working at their best because... You know, as we know, any kind of like one crop um, farming process is never going to be what's ideal for the world. Right. (laughs) So I even think I don't like to use pineapple. I try to to take pineapple completely out of my recipes. And I do that because Costa Rica pineapple is one of the biggest experts in the country. And it's also heavily damaging water systems uh, because of the pesticides and things that they're using. They're not paying for wages. The farmland where they are doing this is basically them cutting down jungles. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, what I try to do is just do things that are going to be as thoughtful for the area that I live in as I can. So that's kind of that's where it all comes from, I guess. Right. Yeah. No, it's great. It's like it's kind of I like how it's you're taking from the jungle to make your creations, but you're giving back to the jungle at the same time. It's kind of a symbiotic relationship and bringing into the world of mixology. Yeah, that that's my whole mindset. I guess when you when you just start seeing the cocktails and drinking them, maybe you're not necessarily thinking about it, but hopefully every person that you're interacting with, at least in 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 my places, are kind of opening up your mind to that a little bit and 
and you know taking away the the priority of having like imported ingredients and elevating the local ingredients that are really i think really interesting and like underutilized so sure and like you're you're in an area where you're only good like you have ingredients that you can't get anywhere else like why wouldn't you use them right yeah exactly (laughs) super special ingredients that are hard to export or would be such a short season that they wouldn't even make it out of uh out of the country you know what i mean which is which is cool (laughs) Mm -hmm, yeah uh, so talk to so at some point you make the move to open your own place. Yeah. So talk to us about the process of that because I'm always very interested. Like when you like a Canadian goes, to, I'm I'm really just doing research here. But a Canadian, a Canadian goes to Costa Rica, and it sounds like the start of a bad joke. Yeah. But but uh, a Canadian goes to Costa Rica, and what sort is there any red tape you have to jump through to open your own business there or? Like, do you have to worry about, like, I know in some countries you have to worry about fucking mafia shaking you down. And like, I've heard that about Nicaragua and Guatemala. Yeah, I don't know. Costa Rica is like really magical with the, not that there are no drug problems here or mafia problems here, Mm -hmm. but it's really not an issue for opening your own business in the Central Valley. So the San Jose area and beach areas mostly. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to deal with that. You do have to adjust your uh, state of mind, <laughs> I think, when you're doing it, as as I'm sure you heard in Costa Rica, like the pura vida, you know, the mm. like that. That's like the the pure life. That's like the expression that they use for everything. Yeah. Hi, how are you? I'm good. That's all. That could all be pura vida. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Basically, I mean, it, it, it's kind. It's you gotta get a little more laid back. Things might right. take a little longer than you're expecting, and or you know, be a little half-assed and you really maybe as like just speaking as a north american that was very frustrating for me you know i'm like no i'm all about time frames and deadlines and like get, getting things going but i really just had to like for for my own like mental health i had to be like okay you gotta just chill right out so right and how long do you think it would you say it took you to make that adjustment obviously it took like it was a, a, over a period of time i'm not saying it had like a yeah. light switch just went off but like how long before you thought how many? How, like, how long were you there before you were like, okay, I think I finally get it now. This is the this is the way things go here, and I I can't stress about it. Yeah, I think it took me f- like five six years to. Oh like, Jesus Christ! Like, I was I was hoping you were going to say months. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sounds like me too, so that's what it worries me. But yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think that's when you really get in your groove. You know, when mm. you're like you are like living the culture a little bit more and and doing things a little bit differently, I think. And yeah, that's when, that's when the magic happens. So it's worth it. (laughs) Yeah. Quick question. So then are you considered like, like do you have a visa then in Costa Rica or how does that work for for Uh, status? Yeah, I did have a visa. Yes. Now I'm a a Costa Rican citizen. So that's Uh, fine. Okay. And how hard was that process to becoming a citizen? Was that difficult or relatively easy? Well, I got married, so it was pretty easy. Oh, that'll do it. <laughs> but before, I mean, okay, a few things to tell you about, you know, everyone who might be thinking of moving to Costa Rica, they don't really care if you have a visa. No, really? <laughs> as long as you have some money, you're yeah. all right? Yeah. They're like, okay, uh, you, you're allowed to be in here for 90 days, and many people just kind of do a border hop and then come back into the country. Right. Oh. So, and, you know, depending on what industry you work in maybe i don't know if you want to go work for amazon or something like that there it'll be a little more official but i think many places 
are pretty laid back about things mm-hmm. and they will be able to pay you like under the table and, and that sort of thing. So the visa thing, you know, you can get it and it's not that hard. You know, I also worked in the U S and that was way harder. So yeah, uh-huh. I think it's possible. It's doable. Like that shouldn't be the, the reason that you don't move to Costa Rica. Okay. See, there you go. Good to know. Okay. So talk to us about when you made the move to open your first place, where did you open it and tell us a little bit about your concept? Okay. Our original building was in San Jose, the capital city of Costa Rica. We are in like the historic kind of downtown area and we are in an, in a building that's called Stainforth building. Uh, and that building has been around since 1903 Oh, and crazy. it used to be like a, how would you say it? Like a bodega, I guess, for like fabrics and liquors. Oh, <laughs> <You know>? cool. <laughs> Perfect. Sounds like Turkey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really beautiful, really nice. And what had been in there, there's several spaces. So there's like a, now there's like a coffee shop. There's a tattoo uh, spot. Since we had opened uh, a brewery, went in. And there used to be kind of like a, a like a more nightclub style bar that was in another area kind of. So we were on one side and then that nightclub area was on the other side. And that nightclub was kind of like a really important piece of changing the culture of San Jose. So I don't know if, you know, anyone's been like looking up information to go to Costa Rica. Um, most of the stuff you'll find is like, don't go to San Jose. It's dangerous and like it sucks and all that. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like that's so outdated, you know, maybe there was a time when things were a bit safer. I I could say I've had in my earlier years, even visiting, you know, I had some experiences like that were not great. But now it has changed so much. I think especially in the last six years, big foodie scene going on, craft beer all over the place. And I think one of the founding uh, places that did that was the, in the Stainforth building. So the, the bar was called Stainforth. So that was like that nightclub in an area where there was just like nothing going on. You know what I mean? So they started doing like cool art shows and really getting people like interested in heading to San Jose and like experiencing it, you know, not being afraid and staying in the suburbs or or that sort of thing. So Right. And you were uh, like, from what I understand, probably one of the first like sort of craft cocktail mixology focused places that opened there. So what were some of the challenges of like getting sort of the locals into what you were doing? Or did you find that it was okay because there's so much tourism there and people from in North America are down there and they're sort of used to it already? Um, Well, we definitely depended a lot on tourism at at first because it it was a kind of changing a mindset sort of thing. So, I mean... There were other bars, but I feel like there's a difference between like craft cocktails and maybe like doing like some like simple mixed drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, so some people would come in and there was like a, a moment when everyone was like, oh, we just want gin tonics. Like that was all anyone wanted. Yeah. But then they'd be like ordering me like, oh, can you make my gin tonics sweeter and that sort of thing? And I'd be like, well, I can, but then maybe we should think about ordering you something else. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, we have a whole list here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and it's just for the trends, like, oh, this like beautiful glass with like fruit, dried fruit in it or something like that. Oh, that looks so nice. But, you know, so what I started doing is like, training the staff and and explaining to people like, okay, we're going to have to like walk. It's like starting at the beginning, you know, like let's walk people through drinks. And like, at some point I I just scrapped the menu and I was like, we're not going to have a menu. It's dealer's choice. And we just made like a list. So, you know, it's like training people on how to order something that they actually like. So it's like, do you want something long and refreshing or short and strong? 
what kind of liquors you like, what kind of flavors do you like, you know, do you want it to be sweet, savory, bitter, you know, like having more of a, a chat with people. Right. Um, and that is where I feel like we made the most progress and people started being like, whoa, <laughs> I love this drink, you know? And that's the most fun part of the job too. Like I know it sucks when, when you're like in the weeds and you're getting like nonstop dealer's choice from your guests. Because yeah. you're, you're just like, oh, I maybe batched a bunch of cocktails that we have on the list or whatever. But like everybody I know who likes doing this job likes it because they get to be creative and 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 targeting what the guest wants, right? So like yeah. having that that having that for your whole bar is awesome. It's cool. I mean, it's thirty three seats, so it's right crazy. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> And yeah. of course, we still do classics and we still do all that stuff. But yeah, also doing that let us have a lot more freedom with like what was in season. You know, I mm-hmm. could like pop down to the farmer's market or if I went to visit like another area and I found that they had like a different fruit in season or or some kind of crazy herbs or something like that. It was like, OK, let's just bring it back and let's see what we can come up with and, and play around. So that was it's been really fun. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so you're opening a second place or it's already open? It's almost open. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck, you don't don't even get me started. (laughs) I know know that game where it's like, like, ah, after a while, you just start telling people, two weeks, we're going to be open in two weeks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Any day now. No, I really hope two weeks. (laughs) Yeah. And so what's the concept of the new spot? Is it similar? Are you in a similar area? Uh, we're in a similar area, a little more residential. It's called Los Yosis, but it's still in San Jose. So just a different neighborhood, not downtown. And we are, well, Costa Rica still has lots of restrictions for the pandemic. So this oh, okay. is kind of like a modification. So this is like a more like all day cafe spot, I would say. We're working on product lines. So we're doing, it's called, oh, I should tell you, it's called Curandero, which means like the healer, the, the cure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so we're working with all kinds of natural medicine. So that's what we'll be working into our cocktail ingredients. And we're coming up with a product line as well. So people oh. will be able to, you know, purchase ingredients, take them home, uh, play around, make cocktails or just make smoothies or teas or whatever, you know, whatever stuff they might like to, to do. So that's great. Yeah. And so like, I, that's a cool idea to be doing your cocktails already. And did you, when you uh, came up with the idea sort of, of doing, you know, natural medicine or whatever that people can bring home is that, was that something that was sort of the pandemic brought that about or were you already sort of of that mindset that that's what you wanted to do? Cause it seems like a great pivot during the pandemic. Yeah, I think I, it always really interests me because you know, what I used to do is like go down to the the central market or whatever market I might be visiting. And then I would chat with like the medicine ladies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I had to learn about everything. I had, you know, there's all these different fruits and barks and like roots and things that I hadn't seen before. So I would go down chat with these ladies and I'd be like, can you eat this? What do you put it in? How do you, you know? <laughs> and through that, you know, I just started really getting into all these ingredients and finding out that they all had really interesting flavors textures and they're actually many of them are already used in products that we know so angostura bitters for example have like a lot of roots and barks that we can find in this area even tonic water you know we're getting local jungle ingredients here um so you know that that has inspired me a lot but this was more you know now we're 
really getting into it and focusing on that, you know, focusing on these ingredients and what they can do for you. That's super cool. And so, like, is your idea that the majority of the cocktails on your list when the new when you get it open uh, is like are going to be all sort of tied up in the sort of natural holistic medicine theme mm-hmm. as well? Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be focused on a specific ingredient and then work it into it. So it's also kind of an educational experience in that way too. Like, let's say, yeah, just to say a random example, like turmeric. How can what, what are the health benefits for you? What what can you use it in? So, you know, inspired by my experience with talking to these kind of medicine ladies or shamans uh, in like these indigenous communities and things like that. Like, how can we teach people about what they can do for them? You know, that's they, really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. That's awesome. So and uh, the, the other thing that you're, you've sort of branched out into doing is this cocktail society. I'm going to butcher it if I try and say it in Spanish, but you can do that <laughs> for me. Um, the, talk to us about that and what the idea is behind that. Okay, so it's called La Sociedad del Cocktail. Yeah, that's exactly what I just said, Liz. Weren't you paying attention? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's to just highlight bartenders throughout Central America. So during the pandemic, you know, always, I think it's been really important to stick together as a bunch of small countries, you know, I think that don't usually get a lot of protagonism in the cocktail world. I I was just thinking, wow, how can we stick together? How can we promote each other within like a group? And what can we do to move forward? So, you know, during the pandemic, we started uh, doing online classes and even uh, helping pe- bartenders who were stuck at home and, and weren't uh, maybe weren't working for a bit, like, you know, take advantage of this time, like check out this huge list of classes that you can take today because everyone was doing content in Spanish. And pre-pandemic, we were doing just free training for bartenders that, you know, could be accessible to anyone because not everyone can afford to go to a bartender training school. Not everyone even lives in an area where that's an option in Central America. So this w- was a way for us to make that available. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's it's also like a, obviously a great thing to have as an option for people when everybody was stuck at home and, you know, mm-hmm. we're like <laughs> and, and there are classes you can physically go to. So that that's a that's a cool idea. And that's awesome that you're doing it. The, um, the, also, like you were talking about, like how, you know, Central America is not really looked on as a spot for a hot spot for mixology, but you did get some recognition from Tales of the Cocktail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us we, about that. We were nominated for Best International Cocktail Bar in Latin America and the Caribbean. So that's awesome on yeah top, top 10 that's pretty cool yeah, top 10 is pretty cool yeah absolutely yeah. yeah you should that's you should be proud so what how like and i think you, we were the first of central america so that's also really cool you were the first one in central america oh yeah. wow that's amazing yeah. and so like do you get did you go to tales of the cocktail for this or is well, it well it was during pandemic so no oh, so not so much, <laughs> not so much. okay <laughs> fair enough <laughs> yeah uh, but I mean, that's and so how do you feel like so obviously they have a top 10 in Central America now, right? Like that's so yeah. things are obviously moving in the right direction. And what do you think is sort of the future of mixology in Central America? Are you optimistic about it? Yeah, I'm thinking that a, a 50 best is is coming up for Central America. That's going to happen. I think there's some I'm not even just talking about like 
what I do, I'm saying like even in Guatemala, I'm seeing some really cool spots come out of there. And El Salvador also is really up and coming. So I think those two countries and Costa Rica, and I mean, I hope all of them eventually, but I'm just seeing really, really interesting stuff coming out of these countries that, you know, maybe wasn't there before. So I'm really excited to see what what happens, how things keep growing, which is super exciting. Yeah. And I think you guys have like a unique advantage going back to what we were talking about previously about jungle bartending is that like you do have ingredients that you can't get in other places in the world. And I'm sure that in Guatemala and Nicaragua and wherever else there's unique ingredients to, mm-hmm. to those climates that like, you know, here we're dealing in North America, we're all dealing with the same shit. Like, you know, we're not we're, like, and, and in a way that makes it harder, I think sometimes to come up with something specifically original, but you, in a way yours is harder because you've had to totally refocus and flip the way you think about making a drink. Yeah, absolutely. For, for better or worse. You know, at first I think I'm like, I'm saying, I really had a kind of an attitude about it. I was like, Oh, it sucks. You can't get like all this cool stuff that I used to have. And then yeah, I was yeah. like, what the hell? Like I can make tons of cool stuff. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm uh, I, I remember when they picked me up from the airport, we stopped, you know, and my friend's like, Oh, have you ever had this fruit? And just like picks a fruit out of a tree. And I'm like, wow, what is this? And it's called rose apple, manzana de agua here in Costa Rica. And it is like a longer apple, I would say like a little bit uh, longer and like thinner. It's like a softer pink color. And then you bite into it and it's super juicy, but kind of astringent. Mm. Um, and it tastes like roses. Oh, so, <laughs> you know, I'm like, what is this? And then I've become like, a little bit obsessed with it, like mixing it in with like gin drinks. I think it's amazing with gin, pickling it, like, you know, whatever I can come up with is what I want to do it. And then, you know, I, as I've further nerded out and like looked into it, I found out there's like this history of making fruit wines with it. So, oh, really? Yeah. 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 So, those kinds of experiences, just like really getting to dig into the culture and see what I can come up with has been really rewarding. That's awesome. Like, well, I, and it's like, I love everything you're doing. Everything sounds amazing. Like, and again, I hope my wife's listening because she will find everything you're doing amazing. And then maybe I can, <laughs> we'll come down and join you there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks so much for doing the show, Liz. This was super fun. And um, yeah, if there's anything you want to promote on social media, any links you want to mention? Uh, yeah. Well, I guess our online shop for Bebedero. B-E-B-E-D-E-R-O because I know it's a hard one, but you can check out the link. I'm sure you'll put that up. Yep, I'll um, put that in the show notes as well for anyone yeah. listening. Yeah, bebedero.cr.com and then up and coming bar will be Bar Curandero. And then I want everyone to check out a bar in Guatemala that's called Uleo. So U-L-E-W. Uh, really cool. In Guatemala, in Antigua, Guatemala. So oh, other places in Central America. <laughs> yeah, good for you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much. Yeah, thanks for doing this, Liz. We appreciate it. And uh, all the best to you and best of luck with the new place. And uh, we just love everything you're doing. So thanks for doing the show. Yeah, thanks very much. Guys, thanks for having me.